2: Welcome into Daily Face Off Live, your go to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern.
0: Welcome into a Monday, October 8th, or Tuesday, October 18th edition of Daily Face Off Live. Mike McKenna and Tyler Yeremchuk with you. We are just, what, three, four games into the season for most teams, and yet two Canadian markets are already hammering that panic button, Mike. It's uh, it's expected, right? Overreaction season, right?
1: I don't think I should be smiling because, man, it feels like we've already got everybody calling for heads left and right. Like, fire everybody! The goalies are terrible! We can't score! Like, we said this before the season started. The first month is always mayhem, especially the first two weeks. So this is expected, but it doesn't temper the expectations and the mindset of fan bases all across North America.
0: Yeah, you lose a game to a bottom feeder in January or February, and it's like, eh, who cares? You lose a game in October to a team you're supposed to be, and holy alarm bells are ringing. And that is certainly the case in Toronto. So let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and talk about last night. The Toronto Maple Leafs, massive favorites against the Arizona Coyotes, just huge and they don't win. Maybe we should have seen it coming because the Leafs never really play the Yotes that well in Toronto. It's been 20 years since the Leafs have beaten Arizona in regulation on home ice. That is absolutely insane. Sheldon Keefe was having none of it after the game either saying quote the difference between us and Arizona is that we have elite players. Our elite players didn't play like elite players today and couldn't make a difference. Mike, what do you make of the Leafs bench boss calling out his big guns after a disappointing loss?
1: Well, I mean the big dogs didn't score, but if you're calling them out, is it just Matthews and Tavares? Because Marner scored nearly underscored like who's in your mix here so like I I kind of I feel that a bit but if you're just gonna lay it on your big players to have to score four goals every game that's tough man like bottom line for me is that It was a brutal game for Justin Hall defensively. He was on the ice for all three goals against. They got subpar subpar goaltending from Eric Schalgren, especially on the first two goals. And that leads to your result. Like you toss in an empty netter, it's four to two. Like the Toronto Maple Leafs should be able to outscore the Arizona Coyotes. And in the first period, I actually thought the Leafs weren't terrible. They had chances, but they weren't able to convert. And that's where frustration set in. And that second period was just terrible for Toronto. And that sunk them because then again, guess what? You get to the third and you're trying to press they thought they scored a tying goal. Well, if you're fighting for that goal that late in the game, something's wrong against the Arizona Coyotes. So I, I just think that there was a lot of things that kind of added up to it more than just the big guys. And right now, man, Maple Leafs hasn't won a game without Ilya Samsonov in that. He's won their two games. Marant Murray's lost one, Shalgren's lost the other. And I'll tell you what, I played one game for the Arizona Coyotes, Tyler. It was in Colorado. I wish that start would have happened in toronto because maybe i'd have an eighth win on my nhl resume uh
0: the great line mike uh yeah i mean for me looking at what keith said it's kind of makes me raise an eyebrow and go Ooh, is there maybe something brewing behind the scenes there is there maybe more tension than there should be after just four games of their season i think matt larkin said it best uh, he had a tweet up last night and he said you know sheldon Keith's maybe not on the hot seat quite yet if you're Kyle Dubas, are you maybe just browsing over to Barry Trotz's LinkedIn and going, Ooh, maybe, maybe I got to pull the trigger here? Like, do you think there's any shot in the
1: next month that we see Sheldon Keith really enter the hot seat territory? Only by the fans metric. I really don't see that. And I think Trotz is well off doing his own thing right now. <laughs> so um, I, I think unless it completely implodes, and listen, I talked to somebody this morning that just said, you know what, Toronto's going to be fine. That seems to be the feeling. Uh, It just, it can't drag on. That's really what it comes down to.
0: One coach that probably is on the hot seat just a little bit, at least he is according to Frank Saravalli and his bold predictions that he gave out earlier in the season. That's Bruce Boudreaux, who called his team mentally weak after last night's loss to the Washington Capitals. They were up 4-2 going into the third period and they blew it. They don't even get a point. They lose 6-4 to the Washington Capitals. They're now the first team in NHL history to start a season 0-3 after blowing multi-goal leads in every single game, that courtesy of Sportsnet Stats. It is remarkable to see the Canucks just not able to get out of their own way, and I went back and I watched some of those goals again that Washington scored, and the one where Ovechkin cuts into the blue line, and it looks like no one wants to check him at all. It was like watching a beer league game where some guys gave him a little wave on the shin pads, but really Ovechkin did whatever he wanted to on route to a four-point outburst against the Vancouver Canucks again three games into the season Mike I get it but there's got to be some panic for this Vancouver team
1: there's got to be some passion too like Alex Ovechkin's the number one target on the opposing team when you're playing against the Capitals and the Canucks let him have four points last night and like you said they just let him dance all over the place and like when your team's allowing backdoor layup goals like the Canucks when you've got a goalie like Thatcher Demko who's absolutely swimming right now in chances against high danger cross the ice let you know royal road you name it the tough saves you're not going to win a lot it's going to catch up to you and the hard part is that the canucks have played pretty well for 30 40 minutes a lot of these games they get leads and then they just blow it and the line that stuck out to me afterwards was bo horvat the captain of the team saying you know you know we have a lot of veteran guys that have been there and done that and i look at the roster i'm like really like your average age is like 26 right now man and I I think this is an important thing, Tyler. How many players on Vancouver are winners? Okay, like, and I hate to, like this is a broad statement, but like how many players were in the American League with significant playoff experience? How many in the NHL have significant playoff experience? It's not there, man. Like Dakota Joshua is your one guy. And that was last year with the Springfield Thunderbirds. Okay, so I don't think there's a lot of guys that just straight up know how to win on this team in Vancouver. And it's showing because like Boudreaux said, They collapse at the worst moments. They have got to find a killer instinct and be able to close out these games or else it's going to be a long season.
0: The the interesting part for me with Vancouver, too, just looking at their numbers, they're actually outscoring their opposition at five on five through these three games, but they're just getting murdered on special teams. They're 31st in PK percentage, and they've given up two. It's awful. And they've given up two shorthanded goals as well. They're 23rd in power play percentage. It just, and quickly we'll wrap up on this, but... When you look at a team like this, who's now blown three leads in three games, does that get into your psyche a little bit as a player? Like when the next time they lead going into the third, are they going to be like, ah, here we go again?
1: Well, this is why there was a players only closed door meeting, which our own Stephen Ellis is going to be on with us in a little bit, touched on today at Daily Faceoff with his article about this club shutting the door and saying this isn't acceptable. So you hope that's a turning point. I've been in the room when that's happened before, and the next game's always big. And uh, they're coming out against the, devil, against the Blue Jackets next game. That's some pretty wounded prey. So you hope for a win the next time out for the Canucks.
0: Yeah, Canucks looking to put that behind them tonight as they take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. pair of 0-3 teams going head-to-head. In that game, the Capitol Stars' They were their stars. We mentioned Ovechkin with a four-point night. Evgeny Kuznetsov picks up three assists, but that's not why he's in the headlines this morning. We'll throw up a clip here. Evgeny Kuznetsov has been offered a phone hearing with the Department of Player Safety for this play on Canucks defenseman Burroughs. You can see, bang, full-on two-handed whack to the chops. Um... I mean, Mike, honestly, at first glance, I thought maybe like, when I first watched it, I was like, oh, maybe that was just two guys battling and the stick got up. But that is an ugly, ugly playing. Kuznetsov, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind he's getting games for this. It's just a matter of how many. Uh, your thoughts on this?
1: That's salt, brother. Like, seriously, pick up a stick or a, a limb when you're walking down the street and just hit somebody. You're going to jail. Like, <laughs> I understand we're on the ice and we're playing a sport but this isn't two willing combatant combatants. This is a guy just straight up two hand guy in the face. And it's not like burrows is even bent down and maybe, you know, cause Nessau like kind of aiming for his hip or something or shin. Like, no, he whacks him in the upper body and hits him in the face, dude. I think this should be 20 games. Okay. And, and you know what? Cause that's probably gonna get like two to three because it's a phone hearing. We know that's not an in-person here. Yeah. I just think we missed the boat on this because this isn't, this is what all the old schoolers clamor for is for Tony Twist to be in the lineup and absolutely knock Kuznetsov into the next zip code. And that's not the game any longer. Like, who's who's Kuznetsov here on Vancouver? On any team, for that matter, in today's game. Okay, unless you're playing the Rangers and Ryan Reeves is over there, you just don't see it. So, like, I, I think that these types of plays are, they're a joke, dude. Like, these need to be big suspensions. And I fear that, you know, he's a first-time guy. We're going to give him leniency. Maybe he won't do it again. No, set the tone early and give it to him. But I know that's not going to happen, Tyler.
0: Yeah, if I was in charge, I, I maybe wouldn't go 20, but I'd be I'd be 5-plus for sure. I think 5 should be the minimum for this kind of stuff. Like early in the season, you're right. Set the tone if you're the Department of Player Safety and say, hey, doing dumb stuff like this to a player who's kind of not defenseless, but certainly not, not expecting a two-hander to the teeth, um, I'd go 5-plus. I have a funny feeling, like you said. It's going to be in that 2-3 range. The thing that kills me is right at the end there when Kuznetsov seems to kind of go back on top and be like, and he looks at the ref and puts yeah. his arms up and is like, oh, come on, get up. Why are you laying on the ice? Like, man, you
1: just two-handed him in the teeth. What do you mean? Yeah, he gives him an extra shot just like, hey, oh, I'm frustrated now. So, I mean, maybe 20 would be stiff, but, like, that'll get somebody's attention. Like, you take that out of their pocketbook, and that's half a Porsche. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, that's a little bit different than losing out on a steak dinner.
0: We'll see uh, what ends up coming to this with Kuznetsov. Like we said, he has a phone hearing with the Department of Player Safety today. We started the show talking about a couple of teams who are struggling out of the gate. Now let's move on to one team that is far from struggling. It's the Dallas Stars. A perfect 3-0 under their new head coach, Pete DeBoer, being led by a handful of players who are a point-per-game or better. Hints, Robertson, Marchman, Sagan, Haskinen, Pavelski, This Stars team is humming out of the gates. Mike McKenna and I didn't, I honestly, I wasn't high on them coming into the year, but you called this. So I give you props.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm patting myself on the back three games in. So watch everything completely implode, you know, and I'll look like an idiot here in short order, but like I picked this team, the Dallas Stars to finish second in the central division and for a couple of reasons. Uh, Pete DeBoer's record speaks for itself in his first year with teams, man. Like, uh, you could kind of throw Florida out the window because that was his first crack coming out of junior, but you look what he did with the Devils, with the San Jose Sharks, with the Vegas Golden Knights. We're talking like Stanley Cup finals or conference finals for all those clubs. Regular season, very good. DeBoer imparts a structure. That's, it, it takes a lot of effort for sure, but man, it works and it wins. But here's the thing. There's elite scoring, there's elite young scoring, and Tyler Sagan looks like his old self. And that's a huge factor for the stars. that has been missing and he's, he's healthy, man. He's all over the ice. These games for Dallas for the most part have been pretty even when it comes to scoring chances, but the biggest difference, once again, another piece that we have out at daily face off from our own Matt Larkin about Jake Ottinger, the goaltender for the Dallas stars. He's been the difference. He's been phenomenal. And I actually think what he's doing is pretty sustainable. You know, you look at the top end teams, Shastyrk and Vasilevsky, Ottinger, like these top goalies, they're all developed from within. It's exactly what Dallas has done. And Tyler, they've always put a premium on goaltending in Dallas since Jim Nilsen, the general manager. Bishop, Hudobin, Lettenen, Holtby, Develop Ottinger, on down the list. Now they got Wedgwood and Hudobin still there. There's a reason why Dallas takes care of their crease, and this is why. You're seeing it play out. Good goaltending, good coaching, and skill up front.
0: Yeah, Pete DeBoer always seems to get the most out of his teams in the first uh, season. I want to give a shout-out to our guy, Yarmo, who's in the YouTube chat. Jarmo uh, Vertanen, Verten- who says uh, he wants us to point out the Stars' Finnish players have been on fire. Um, and you can see there.
2: Keith <laughs> yo well Uh, keep it on
1: and yanni hockinpah yanni hockinpah played for us in peoria i was teammates with him when he first came over with the peoria riverman that guy can probably shoot a puck 130 miles an hour he just won the team skills competition for hardest shot tyler i think he broke the speed the radar gun wow um
0: he also points out rupe hint started early this year last year he went 10 games without a goal he is off to a flying start the man you call the ace of spades one of my favorite names in the sport Uh, Let's move on to our big segment today. Very very excited to be joined by our guy, Stephen Ellis. It's a new edition of The Next Wave.
2: This is Paige,
1: the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or
2: sleepnumber.com.
0: Very excited for another edition of The Next Wave, as always, delivered by our friends at DoorDash. Stephen Ellis back on the show. He's got, well, he has the one piece up about the Canucks on Daily Phase Off, but yesterday he wrote one AHL prospect to watch for all 32 NHL teams. So excited to dive into this, Stephen. I want to start with a guy, and it's rare that we see a player in his draft plus one year go to the American League. It takes kind of a unique set of circumstances, but that's exactly what's happening for Brad Lambert. What are your expectations for him in his first season of AHL hockey?
2: Lambert's an interesting guy because he fell kind of to the end of the first round last year, but this is a guy that for two three number two maybe number three maybe he was the best prospect in, in uh, that draft class and uh, you know he was a little inconsistent didn't play really well in the men's league uh, and then you go to the world Juniors and he really struggled he was a healthy scratch when it mattered for Finland and I think people kind of said, oh this is not good he had a great rookie tournament, a great preseason uh, signed a contract last minute and this is a guy that feels like he probably will get some NHL time. As he gets comfortable, Uh, I know, I love his name. Obviously, Brad Lambert's not the most finished name in the world, Um, but uh, he's a guy that just, he's got so much skill. I just wish he would shoot the puck more because it's a guy that doesn't shoot a lot, but he's got a good shot. And uh, I I think that before long, we'll be talking about him being an impact player for Winnipeg, but he needs to be more consistent on a daily basis.
1: So you look around the league and you can imagine, Stephen, that something that's really near and dear to me is goaltending. And in the American Hockey League, it's prime ground like you you really want your goaltender to go down for a year or two, show what they can do. And last year we really saw somebody emerge within the Calgary crease in their development system. Uh, That's Dustin Wolf, an undersized goaltender who's played really well, won the Baz Bastion as the top goaltender in the American League. How far away from regular action do you think Dustin Wolf may be? What's his arc? What's his trajectory going into this year?
2: I'd say my three favorite prospects right now are all goalies and Dustin Wolf's number one for sure. This is a guy that should not have fallen to like, I think it was like the fourth last pick in the draft when he got Mm -hmm. taken. Uh, Not a big goalie for sure, uh, but everywhere he goes, he's one of the best goalies. WHL two years in a row, he won the CHL top goalie. He's the, the AHL top goalie as a rookie last year. This is a guy that just battles for it. He's got incredible reflexes. He's very quick. You know, we don't see a ton of goalies that are six foot play in the NHL and be very effective. But I feel like this is a guy that could definitely do it. And um, he was someone where I thought maybe uh, it would have been pretty early, I think, to put him in the NHL this year. But I think he could have probably handled that opportunity behind Markstrom. Uh, Because, again, you look what he was doing last year in the AHL, incredible numbers. Um, And and I think he's a guy where if if you're playing him three games a year and you, you split him with Markstrom, that's a great number two to have and could be a number one, I think. He's got that talent. and. Uh, it's, it's just a really good refluxes. There's a little bit of Jonathan Quick, I feel like, in him, the way he kind of moves around the crease. And uh, I think he's got a good future. So Flames fans should be thrilled they got him so late in that draft.
0: Yeah, the domino I'm kind of watching there is, you know, Dan Vladar has a strong season and kind of goes, hey, mm-hmm. I want to go somewhere where I can have a better chance of being the guy. I wonder if the door's open for Dustin Wolf to move up to the NHL next yeah. season. Uh, one organization agree, it's who it's always seems... One organization that always seems to find these late blooming guys that come out of their American League is the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think about a guy like Ross Colton, right? Never scored 20 goals in the American League. Bang, comes up to the NHL last season as like a 25-year-old, 20-goal season. Uh, Could the Lightning potentially have another Ross Colton-esque guy waiting in their system?
2: I think so, and Alex Barboulet is a guy that I really like watching. Um, you know, he doesn't. He's struggled in the NHL. He played with Tampa. He played with Seattle, and he's had pretty mixed stats. But all he does in AHL is dominate. I think he's like second or third among all AHL scorers in the last three, four years. And this is a guy that has also seen some time in the NHL. So when you throw in that aspect, it's like, that's impressive. And uh, he can score, puts a lot of assists. He's a five assists already in two games. Uh, he's way too good to be playing in the AHL, but I feel like his game is maybe not tailored for a fourth line role, which is why when he was put on waivers this year, I thought someone was going to claim him. There's, there's going to be a lot of teams that want uh, a goal-scoring forward who could kind of do it all. You know, yeah, he's, he's not huge, but he can hold his own physically and, Uh, defensively his game's not great which is part of the reason why you don't love him in a third or fourth line role but if you can bring in cheap scoring I feel like this is a guy that deserves an opportunity somewhere and for Tampa uh, he's an easy call-up candidate and I think they're going to continue to rely on him to be kind of a key guy in the AHL but I think he's too good to be playing in the American League right now. Yeah, I wonder if
0: maybe this is in a situation where a few weeks into the season, a team gets hit with like bang, bang, two guys in their top six go down, and they look to Barboulet and go, I wonder if maybe we take a stab at him now. Like you said, he was on waivers, goes on claim, but certainly an interesting player to watch. If we didn't talk about your favorite team and you want to know who's the American leaguer you should be keeping your eye on this year, Head over to dailyfaceoff.com, check out Steven's entire article. As always, a fantastic edition of the next wave delivered by DoorDash, where you can use that promo code at the bottom of the screen. Game day 25 gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. Steven, we'll talk again next week. Thanks, man.
2: Absolutely. Thanks so much. <laughs>
0: Moving along to our daily face-off inbox question, hashtag ask DFO. There are a handful of teams who still don't even have a point yet this season, Mike. We're looking at the Sens, the Wild, the Sharks, the Blue Jackets, the Canucks, and the Devils. None of those teams, I should say, have a win yet this year. The question is, who will be the last team to win a game? Who's going to see this early season slump extend the longest?
1: Well, I don't think it's necessarily the worst team, but I think the Blue Jackets are facing an uphill battle here. Like, they're playing against the Canucks tonight, and the Canucks are pretty hungry. Like, they have to get a win. Like, there's no way around it. And after that, you got the Penguins and Rangers. So that's a pretty tough climb for the Blue Jackets. I think they're going to probably be the last one left. Devils-Ducks tonight. Devils have a pretty easy schedule. I think the Sharks' schedule is not too hard with the Islanders and Philly. So I'm going to go Blue Jackets. Who do you have? I'm actually going to go with the Sharks because I think a lot of these teams will scoop up a
0: win in the next day or two. I'm looking at, you know, Mm -hmm. I think the Sens maybe have a shot tonight against the Boston Bruins. And you got that Blue Jackets-Canucks matchup tonight. One of them's going to get a dub. I look at the Sharks going up against the Islanders who put up like a seven spot on the Ducks the other day. And then they get the Rangers and then the Devils before they get to the Flyers. So I look at the Sharks and I go, eh. Might be tough sledding in terms of today and Thursday against the Islanders and Rangers. So my pick is going to be the San Jose Sharks. Let us know in the YouTube chat. I see a few people kicking around in there. Who's going to be the last team to pick up a win? I also see uh, Aaron wants to know, where's the Bruins hype at? Quickly, Mike, because we have a couple extra minutes here. What have you made of the Bruins? Finding a way to battle through the injury issues that they had coming into the year and get off to a pretty good start.
1: Yeah, I've been really impressed with how, one, seamlessly David Krejci has gone right back into that lineup. And I've been really impressed with how Jim uh, Montgomery's done as head coach of that club. You know, last season was you know kind of tough for Bruce Cassidy to get the third line moving and and to find the depth that was necessary. And right now, I think that that team's actually, for the pieces that are missing, pretty well constructed. Um, But, I mean, really what it comes down to, Pasternak's been incredible. Bergeron's been Bergeron and they've gotten pretty solid goaltending so it's not like we're on the not on the Bruins hype train here they've been awesome it's just we've had a couple other things that have really stood out so far
0: 100 percent uh let's move on to our daily bet segment brought to you by our friends at points bet Canada where I got absolutely smoked last night Alexi Lafreniere missed by one shot Leafs Coyotes missed by one goal Penguins Found a way to blow a third period lead to the Montreal Canadiens, but it's early in the season. I'm not worried about it. Let's jump into what I got today, starting with a matchup. Well, it's the New Jersey Devils who don't have a win yet this season. I say they're getting it tonight on home ice. It has been a rough road trip for the Anaheim Ducks so far. They've allowed 13 goals in their last two games. I think the Devils finally get their offense going a little bit tonight. I like them to win. And while I'm not confident enough to go puck line, I'm confident enough to take them to win in regulation at minus 130. An interesting stat about the Devils is that they're actually first in the league in five on five shots, four percentage, according to natural Trick. So they've actually been, you know, controlling play. It would appear at five on five. Their shooting percentage, though, is under 5% as a team. The offense should get going the ducks on back to back struggling, like I said, to keep pucks out of their net devils get the offense going beat the ducks in regulation and a pair of winless teams going head-to-head vancouver columbus vancouver in action last night i i don't like a winner on either side of this one it's basically a pick'em on points bet but i do like the over six goals at minus 125 the canucks are averaging 7.67 goals per game combined while the blue jackets are at 6.34 so they've eaten you know, going over early in the season. And with the Canucks on back-to-back, I think there's a chance that we see some more mistakes and some offense in this hockey game. So I am taking the Devils minus 130 in regulation. The over between Vancouver and Columbus and my shot prop today is going to be Steven Stamkos, over three and a half shots on goal at plus 105. He's averaging over five shots per game. So that is my third play of the night, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada. And finally, to wrap up the show, Mike, I turn things over to you for a little garbage time.
1: Yeah, some fun stuff going on with the New York Rangers. And you look at the interaction between Ryan Reeves, Igor Shostyuk, some of the teammates there down on Broadway. And pretty fun moment. We're going to roll a clip here that came out uh, just before last night's game. Pay attention. We got a whoops here. See what Shostyuk <laughs> does and keep a look on Ryan Reeves' face as he starts talking. Want it? Yeah. Want it? <laughs> really sauce! What? it? Yeah. Let's go, boys. all right (laughs) so there was an inadvertent delay by Igor Shostirka maybe it wasn't maybe just doing it on purpose just to throw the team off a little bit um but this like as a former goaltender this was this is cool like you get to lead your team onto the ice and typically you have either the team's captain or the team's kind of like de facto cheerleader which obviously is Ryan Reeves in New York which he's done in Vegas and other places getting the team fired up and he's releasing the chesty and chesty just delays so (laughs) i could tell if he was so focused or doing it on purpose regardless i miss this about the game tyler it was a lot of fun to to hear that from your teammates to hear them everybody just ready to rock and lead team on the ice is it's something cool you get to do as a goaltender so i love the interplay between it and you can really see why ryan reeves is such a valued member of that team he does a whole lot more than chuck in his token eight to ten points and throw knucks a little bit man he's a big part of that locker room
0: Yeah, and that's actually where I was going to go with it. You know, obviously, I've never been in a professional hockey locker room like in that kind of a setting before. But I think about a guy like Reeves being able to loosen up a Rangers team that's really young. Like, imagine you're one of those guys who's Mm -hmm. only played maybe a year or two of pro hockey, one of those young blue liners. You are maybe a little bit nervous before a big home game in MSG, an intimidating arena. And, you know, you got Reeves there before the game, making you laugh a little bit and taking the edge off. And you can argue about, oh, do you need enforcers in the game or what Reeves' cap hit is or how many goals he scores? whatever. There's value in a guy like that, just loosening up your team and just being a good dude
1: in the room. It's real. Every team needs it. And the biggest part is you get a veteran like him who treats the young guys the exact same as the older guys, and you make them feel part of the club. And with a team like New York, that's got those younger players, the Millers, the Lafreniers, the Cacos, they need that. And they got it in Reeves, and they know that he's also got the support of Turk in the the coach's office. So there's no surprise that that team's off to a pretty hot 3 and one start right now in New York.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Always love the insight into what it's like in an NHL locker room as well. Great analysis today, as always, Mike. Big shout-out to our friend Stephen Ellis for stopping by, as well as Alex Salard and Brendan Bradley, who make the show look as good as it does. Thanks to everyone who is in on the chat today as well. We'll be back tomorrow. Wednesday, live at noon Eastern with another edition of Daily Face Off Live. Talk to you then.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Daily Face Off Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Planning
0: for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff for the daily winner's